Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. The best 60 minutes of your day starts right now on SportsCenter. First up, what Jameis Winston has to say about a disturbing allegation made against him by an Uber driver. Exclusive, behind-the-scenes details of the nasty public feud between Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell. In Boston, it's 14 and counting. Celtics legend Paul Pierce predicts how long the Celtics' winning streak will last. And some of sports' most iconic names say goodbye this weekend. Dale Jr. in his own words on his last NASCAR race and from our families to yours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mike and Mike signing off. And here's a look at tonight's six at six on this feel good Friday. We'll take you courtside to tell you why the Thunder are feeling good about Getting their first road win against a Western Conference opponent in San Antonio. But we begin in Tampage, Mel. Yeah, the NFL is investigating an allegation that Jameis Winston groped a female Uber driver in 2016, which was first reported by BuzzFeed and then confirmed by ESPN's Jeff Darlington, who we'll talk to in a moment. The league has said they've reached out to Uber for information. Both the Bucks and Jameis Winston have released statements with the Bucks saying they also are in the process of obtaining more information. But here is Winston's response. The story falsely accuses me of making inappropriate contact with this driver. I believe the driver was confused as to the number of passengers in the car and who was sitting next to her. The accusation is false. And given the nature of the allegation and increased awareness and consideration of these types of matters, I am addressing this false report immediately. Jeff Darlington, who is now covering the story. Uh, Jeff, the NFL and the Bucks say they are gathering information about this allegation. So what happens next? Right. Well, Jamel, to understand what happens next, we should first understand where this began, because despite the fact that this occurred in March 2016, almost 18 months ago, we're talking about something that the NFL and the Bucks are now just essentially looking into. Now, I did receive uh, after a conversation with Brian McCarthy, the NFL, he said, as you mentioned, that the allegation was shared with the NFL and we have reached out to Uber to request any information they may have. After speaking with another league source, though, I think that we should be very clear on something. While we're using the word investigation, and yes, in some capacity it is, I think uh, my one source said this is more like an inquiry at this point. This is not like a full-blown situation where we look at the Ezekiel Elliott situation. That was a 161-page report that was very thorough, very sophisticated, very deep diving. At this point, we are not even close to that when it comes to this Jameis Winston situation. So very, very early stages. Of course, though, very serious allegations, something that the NFL will continue to look into to go ahead and decide whether punishment is necessary. All right, Jeff Darlington with the latest on Jameis Winston. We appreciate it. All right, to some uh, quarterbacks who are playing. Here is where we are in the NFL, either due to injury or ineffectiveness. Uh, some notable, and we say that sarcastically, mm. quarterback matchups for Week 11. That game mix should be lit, right? right. <laughs> Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser, 
Joe Flacco, Brett Hundley, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jay Cutler, Blaine Gabbard, and Tom Savage. Heavyweights. But then there's the game with the pregame matchup quality rating of 89 on a 0 to 100 scale. Highest rating for any game in the 2017 regular season. The off-compared pair of Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. Both have thrown 39 touchdowns in their first 25 games. Nobody would have thought, though, that golf versus Keenum would be a marquee QB matchup this time a year ago, probably because Keenum was golf backup in L.A. a year ago. Golf, he of the 666 yards and six touchdowns the past two weeks versus Keenum, coming off a four-touchdown performance that held off Teddy Bridgewater for at least another week. They've made the two largest improvements in total QBR this season, Jamel. Oh, this is no question about which one of these quarterback matchups. And I love how we do that as if they somehow are on the field at the same time and yeah, they, truly, they defend truly are matched yeah. up against one yeah. another. It's Case Keenum and Jared Goff. It's the Rams and the Vikings. That's the better matchup. Look, I know. Because the teams are 7-2, and two, you mean? Because That's the teams mean? are 7-2 and two because of the way that they're playing. And, it, look, we spent a lot of time, especially on this network this week, hyping up Dallas and Philly. Classic NFC East collision. There you go. The two quarterbacks, Dak and Carson. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, look. Why you do that? No. I, <laughs> Why you do that? I, the two best teams. Two quarterbacks who are playing great, a Rams offense that is dynamic. Not that Philly isn't. I'm about to say the Eagles aren't. Not that, the, not that Philly isn't, but the Cowboys, and we'll talk about this a, a little bit later with Herm Edwards, they're a little bit depleted right now. This is not stop, the same matchup. Stop, stop. No Ezekiel Elliott. Some offensive line issues. It's like, eh, eh, I need, eh, eh. Really? I need you. Eh, I, I, really, I really need you to eh. chill. I really need you. you you're fooling on this, on this good Friday. You're fooling what? around, right? Why you got to be counterintuitive? Why, 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 why you got to be the person that just goes left when everybody else goes right? It's Eagles-Cowboys. It's not that complicated. With all due respect to the Rams and the Vikings, the that should be a really good game. The they both protect their quarterbacks well. Both got good pass rushes. I, I get that that's a game with playoff implications, but don't act like Eagles-Cowboys always is and forever will be a more marquee matchup because of the rivalry oh, involved. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not to mention... I told Whose you yesterday. Is up and light, so I get out of this. Okay, look. Forget about the substance. The Eagles <laughs> could be playing the Pelicans. Carson Wentz, your likely MVP, is must-see TV. And you got Dak Prescott, who they're always going to be compared to each other, out here trying to prove, not that, you know, he thinks this, but there are a lot of people who think he's a product of Ezekiel Elliott and his offensive line and so on and so, so, so forth. So even without Sean Lee or, or, or Smith or Ezekiel Elliott, that's still the game. That's why it's Sunday night. That's why it's under the lights. The other game's a nice little appetizer. That's the main course. Come on. And I love how they're just trying to throw this comparison together as if they both, it'd be different if it was Jameis Winston and Marcus, Marcus Mario. Mario. One, two. One, two. Same, All right. same division, about? though. Same division, same draft class. It's okay. Traditional rivalry. Make it up. Manufacture it. We at this network. <laughs> okay. Uh, is OKC's big three starting to figure things out? Well, consider that through the team's first 11 games, Russ Mello and PG were plus four in 230 minutes on the floor together. During the Thunder's current three-game winning streak, they are plus 46 in 50 minutes together. Highest point differential for any three-man combo in the NBA since November 10th. With this, I always thought um, that it was it was going to be a you know time time thing where you know it'll be rocky to start out, but eventually we'll we'll gain you know momentum. We'll start moving the ship, and uh, that's that's where we're getting to right now. I think um, Russ is starting to come into his own. Melo's coming into his own. I'm getting comfortable within the offense, um, and, and the game is becoming easy for us. Norris Burke is in San Antonio on a call tonight. Thunder 0-5 on the road against the West San Antonio. Of course, never an easy place to play, even after Kawhi Leonard Doris. Is OKC, though, looking at the AT&T Center as something of a proving ground? 
I think you have to, Michael. And I'm going to start my answer by telling you I think San Antonio is overachieving, frankly. And they're doing it on the back of LaMarcus Aldridge, Greg Popovich, and probably institutional knowledge. So if you're Oklahoma City, you're coming in on a three-game win streak, but you beat the Bulls in Dallas and the Los Angeles Clippers, the first two of those you wouldn't consider necessarily great wins. But I would say this to you. I believe they're going to figure it out long-term. I believe you've seen some progress. In the immediate aftermath of that 0-4 streak, they went to Paul George and basically said, we need you to be great. Carmelo Anthony has said, listen, you put me in whatever position you want and I'm going to score. I think for Paul George to, to be the dynamic scorer he can be is crucial. And the last piece of the puzzle for this, this team, guys, is crunch time. They have been outscored by an outrageous number late. They've also not guarded late. So if tonight happens to be close, I'm really anxious to see how Oklahoma executes on both the offensive and defensive ends. Because if you look at a couple of their losses, had they done a few things, the right rotation, make the right pass, take a good shot, their record would be a little bit different right now. The dynamic execution on your part, as usual, Doris, I didn't hear any final words. words. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, our vocabulary I to, was not... I wanted in- to take no heat from the two of you. That's <laughs> no, why. we love it. We like, we like to learn basketball <laughs> and enhance our vocabulary with you, Doris. All right, we'll let you off the hook next, next time. time. Okay, you got it. appreciate it. So Kyrie single-handedly outscored the Warriors with 11 in the final five minutes and make it 14 in a row for the Celtics, who in the remaining doubters' minds now qualifies for real and whose statement win have people talking about last night being a finals preview. For real, for real. Very, very likely, right? They're, they're, the, they're playing the best right now in the East, and obviously until they beat Cleveland, uh, who's done it three years in a row. Uh, we'll see, but I heard the weather's great here in June, so we'll see. <laughs> Dang, I love it. Meanwhile, James Harden is somewhere like, really? You just going to act like we're not here? <laughs> yeah, we'll, get to, we'll get to him later, though, but um, you going to stop qualifying the Celtics? No. You going to stop? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> LeBron, you know, they'll get together. They'll get it right. IT, Derek Rules, Tristan Thompson, you know, it's still looking. I think you're just looking. repeating what you're saying. I never said that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I stopped qualifying this team. Like, look, okay, I admit, when Hayward went down, I, like a lot of people, thought, okay, that's a wrap for them. But very early on, I realized this team is not some cute story. This is a really good team. And who's to suggest that the Jalen Browns and the Jason Tatums in the world, that they won't continue to get better? They're still in the process of gelling despite winning 14 games in a row. So to just chalk it up, it's like, oh, you know what? You know, this is nice, but, you know, it's still the King's world and everybody else just living in it. Why not now for these Celtics? Why not? That's that's not far-fetched. And it's certainly not a hot take given the way they're playing. They are the Warriors to 88. 88 miles per hour. 88. <laughs> no one I don't care that. about a 39 to 18 free throw discrepancy. I don't care about the Warriors missing shots they normally make. They held them to 88 points. They conquered death, as in the death lineup on the part of the Warriors. They played them tough the last several years. So, yes, this could very well be a finals preview. One, that when it gets there, might be tougher than maybe the Cavs were for the Warriors last year, the way they're playing defense. Okay, I say this not to disrespect what I'm seeing and what I think is proof and evident that this team can certainly hang with Cleveland. However, there have just been too many instances where we have just seen in the regular season. I know – I don't it ain't wanna, Thanksgiving yet. I know. I don't want to treat the NBA the regular season like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It matters. It just doesn't matter completely. 100%. And I think for most of us, what we're wrapping our mind around is an image of LeBron James, even though he's done it before, but at this stage in his career with what he's accomplished, say, over the last six or seven years, going home early. Right. And that's he hard. He finds a way. Exactly. And that's hard for a lot of people to believe. LeBron's earned the benefit of the doubt. So when I say, yeah, I still am sticking with the Cavs, it's of no disrespect to, to 
to the Boston and that Celtics. Makes, and that it's, makes sense. Yeah, it's just that we have to see it. But I, I think for anybody to think that this team is just going to fade, and I, I know we had Dante Jones on the show the other day. And he That's who I was really talking about, people like him. <laughs> well, you mentioned this idea that they're peaking too early. Like, yeah. you don't want to be playing your basketball, best basketball. Who says they're playing their Why best not? basketball? Who it's, says they are? Who, right. They, they still have a, a huge ceiling and, a, and more room to grow for all of those pieces. I think what they're doing defensively, that's the kind of thing that stays with you know the what I'm whole saying? season. You don't just lose that. You know what I'm saying? All right, and it travels well. Defense always does. So this team is going to be a factor. They're going to be a problem in the East, specifically for Cleveland. The civil war behind the shield rages on with Roger Goodell's extension acting as a sort of registration act or Sokovia Accords, if you will. I know that was real nerdy. Here's Don Vanetta. Even before he became NFL commissioner a decade ago, Roger Goodell and Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones enjoyed one of the most symbiotic and profitable alliances in American sports. I've always supported Roger Goodell. I'm uh, one of his biggest supporters. Jones has praised Goodell for being a visionary, a grow-the-pie thinker who helped increase the NFL's annual revenues from $6 billion in 2007 to nearly $15 billion today. Fast forward to last fall when Jones's star running back, Ezekiel Elliott, was under investigation for alleged domestic violence incidents against a former girlfriend. Jones was angry by the slow pace of the investigation, but privately, sources say, he also became increasingly frustrated by Goodell's leadership on an array of issues, including the NFL's declining TV ratings. In the spring, Jones and Goodell talked on the phone. Jones came away from the call certain that Elliott would not be suspended by the commissioner. A source said Jerry was damn sure that Zeke was free and clear. Not long after that call, at an NFL owners meeting in Chicago in late May, Jones, along with his other 31 owners, voted unanimously to give the NFL's Compensation Committee the authority to extend Goodell's contract for five years. Then, three months later, Jones got a call from Goodell. Goodell told him that, after careful consideration, he had decided to suspend Ezekiel Elliott. Jones was stunned. In his mind, Goodell's decision was an unforgivable violation of trust. According to sources with direct knowledge of the call, Jones revealed his anger, telling Goodell, I'm going to come after you with everything I have. Then he referenced Deflategate. If you think Bob Kraft came after you hard, Bob Kraft is an expletive compared to what I'm going to do. Now, Jerry Jones is leading the charge against Roger Goodell, threatening to sue his fellow owners if they approve a new lucrative contract as the league teeters on an all-out civil war. This isn't how we do things in the NFL, Falcons owner Arthur Blank told Jones. At a recent forum, Goodell addressed his future. I've studied this for a long time, having been in the NFL for 36 years, and I watch other sports. You know, I think there's always a risk that, you know, people stay too long, and I don't want to be in that category. Publicly, Jones says he just wants all 32 owners to take time to review Goodell's contract. Roger has 18 months left of this contract. We just need to slow this train down and have a lot of time to discuss the issues at hand in the NFL. And 
uh, have a good, clear input from all the owners, which we're not getting. Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell have very different visions about what the NFL's future should be. And nobody knows how the league's civil war between its two most powerful men will end. It would be madness to think that everything I'm doing isn't in the best short and long-term interest of the NFL. As the NFL goes, so go the Cowboys. So the whole effort here, everything is about uh, trying to do something for the owners. The one great time that the owners have their biggest input is when you are either first-time hiring or extending it. I was put there to see if there were things of concern. I saw it, and that's why we're having this conversation right now. You know, just when I thought Billionaire Fight Club couldn't get more interesting, it seems like this thing continues to escalate. And, of course, pieces like yours, Seth, you and Don Van Atta Jr., they certainly help when you have anecdotes, some of the colorful ones that you have in this piece. But let's just get right to it. Jerry Jones clearly is not backing down in his fight with Roger Goodell over this contract extension. It seems that the longer this goes on, is it just my read on this, but it seems like he's galvanizing more support. Like, how close is Jerry to getting his way and getting Roger Goodell about the paint? I don't think he's that close. Mm. But I think that he's gaining support in terms of owners who maybe don't like the messenger, but they like the message. And the message is that this contract... Jerry feels that they're negotiating with Arthur Blank, that Jerry voted for them to be able to negotiate, is too much money. And he doesn't think that Roger has done a good enough job to merit that. And I think that that is gaining traction. And I think that when you look at all the headwinds that the NFL is facing and how the league has managed them, that's where a lot of Jerry's anger comes from and a lot of his questions about Goodell's leadership. There's so much to unpack from this story, (laughs) okay? My favorite anonymous ownership source quote was... Switching commissioners yeah. is like switching from an iPhone to a Samsung. Do my pictures transfer? Do my contacts? Does my music? In the end, why take the risk? Reading all of this, and I combine this story, Seth, with you and Don's story on Bob McNair at the Anthem meeting yep. about the inmates running the prison, which he yep. says is about the league office. They might need a new service provider. <laughs> There's a bad connection. They get bad service, bad customer service. Like, even if this civil war does end in a contract extension for Roger Goodell, the casualties, the damage, the dysfunction when it comes to the league office, within the league office and within the relationship between the league office and ownership, House Divided does not do this justice. How do they fix the underlying problems? Forget Zeke and Ezekiel Elliott and Roger Goodell and whether he told Jerry Jones to get suspended or not. That's their issue, right? They got so many other underlying issues as it relates to this league and the overall health of that side, let alone their relationship with the players and the CBA negotiations coming down the pipe. Am I right? Yeah, and I mean, you I don't know, know look, a lot just now, but I mean, yeah, I mean this, this story is unbelievable. No, and nothing against Samsung, right? You know? Yeah, right. I, I, say, I got a Galaxy, yeah. <laughs> but, um, You're absolutely right. I think that Jerry Jones is one of the owners who says, look, we need people who solve problems. And we don't get a lot of problems solved at the league office, whether that's fair or not. But I think that what's happened is that when, in the Goodell era, some of it's self-inflicted, some of it isn't. But, you know, there's this sense among owners that they're just going from crisis to crisis to crisis. And Roger's response to all these crises is to hire more people expand the powers of the league office, and Jerry is one of those people who says, whoa, 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 wait, this is our league. And he's not okay with that. And 
he's not okay with the theory behind what Roger's done. And then when you look at some of the performances that some of the people have done, you know, he's really got his eye. You know, he's got Jeff Pash, the league's general counsel, in his crosshairs over Zeke. Joe Lockhart, the league spokesman, he's been angry with him about a lot of the messaging issues, responding to President Trump the way that he did. And so it's, a, it's, it's beyond Zeke. Yeah. I think that Zeke was the thing that was the that tipping, was a tipping point. That was the tipping point. Yes. The bottom, and that's the bottom line. The tipping point has arrived. No successor, as you pointed out. Roger Goodell knows this in these negotiations. But yet, reaching out to Tagliabue, Adam Silver, <laughs> somebody from the Olympic Committee. Once you start thinking about a replacement, it might be time for everybody to be thinking about going a different way. We got to go to break, man. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, this guys. Was, this was something. Thank this you. was something. A lot to unpack that. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Boston is just crushing people. So... It's going to be really fun to, to go against them. We get everybody's best shot, and there's different intensity when, when teams play against us. It's a long road ahead, but, you know, getting regular season games like this is always fun. Somehow getting it to Iguodala down low and able to finish with a reverse. Iguodala with the dunk. And it's a 12 0 run here by the Warriors. Kyrie Irving has taken that protective mask off, which is obviously dangerous. It's between him and the trainer. Obviously, he's not comfortable with it on, but if he really needs it, he should wear it. Irving puts the ball on. No! Came up. Oh, nice pass. Golden State had an 88-86 lead. After Clay Thompson hit that three, Boston has scored the last six points. They've done it at the foul line. They lead by four. Thompson for three. And then the Boston Celtics with a dramatic win over the Golden State Warriors. Two 17-point deficits? Yeah. I know uh, time for some truth with the truth. Uh, Paul, I know you saw your Celtics cooking last night, winners of now 14 straight. So tell us, how have they managed to survive the Gordon Hayward injury so well? Well, they're well coached, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing well beyond their years. I mean, these guys are in their first and second year. Um, they're growing right before our eyes, and they're over-exceeding expectations. You know, a lot of people didn't see them playing this well, being that they're such a young team. <clears throat> and the bench has been great, and they're number one in defense. So, you know, hats off to what the young guys are doing. You know, they have their chemistry together. They're scrapping on defense. And I love this kid. He can He's going to be an all-star one day, both of these guys. And it's just terrific to watch them grow right before our eyes. As you know as well as anybody, the weather is in fact nice in Boston in June. Uh, are the Celtics your Eastern Conference Finals favorite at this point, or are you still saying this is LeBron James's kingdom, the East? Um, you know, it depends on how healthy they are, or both teams. <clears throat> Excuse me, but Cleveland—they're going to have the edge because they've been there before, and you know LeBron is still great. So, but Celtics have youth; they have a leader in Kyrie Irving who's been there. So it'll be interesting, but I think the Celtics can get there. I mean, they're, they're the biggest threat, but I think their time is now. All right, let's talk about your, another one of your former teams, the Clippers. So as Jamal knows, I like to brag on my Sixers. I was also <laughs> big on the Clippers in offseason, talking them up, but I don't talk about them that much. But I'm owning it right now. They've dropped six straight. Right. Their defense is falling apart. What's happened to the Clippers since that overachieving start? 
Well, they're they're dealing with injuries. You lose your best defensive player in Patrick Beverly. You lose Gallo for some games. <clears throat> that hurts. You know, these are the guys that they traded for Chris Paul. And so, you know, when you when you have little room for error and you have these injuries, it's causing them to have setbacks. And that's why they've lost six in a row. So this is not a lot of people look for indictments of Doc. This is not about any shortcomings of Doc Rivers. Obviously, this is a team not much many expected out of having traded Chris Paul and kind of reconfigured the team. But, you know, you got some people that are always going to point the finger at Doc Rivers. This is not about Doc, what's been going on. This is strictly personnel. Yeah, it's personnel. You got to get them healthy first. Like, like you said, there wasn't heavy expectations for the Clippers anyway. You know, some people had them making the playoffs. Some people didn't. They just have to get healthy and then see where they are. When the, once they get healthy and, you know, if they're still playing bad, then who knows? All right. Well, we will hear more truth on NBA Countdown ahead of Thunder Spurs tonight. I'm sure you guys will dissect that game with the rest of the crew. Paul Pierce, we appreciate it. Oh, my God. The Steelers' offense oh has Oh, my arisen. God. <laughs> that was the color purple line, see? Yeah. Pittsburgh finally cracked 30 points, overachieved a bit. They actually cracked 40 on the Titans last night in a rout. Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger cooking as the Steelers won their fifth straight. By the way, Brown went over the 1,000-yard receiving mark for the season on Thursday. He's now tied with Heinz Ward for most seasons. With the G in team history. No term. Were you impressed enough by Pittsburgh putting up 40 last night to place them above the Patriots in your personal power rankings? My personal power rankings for the season so that I had them in Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Mm. Okay. Okay. Aaron Rodgers got hurt, so Green Bay's out. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sorry to take the delivery. I'm sorry. It was a delivery. I got Avatars. I got Avatars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not no great area. No, you were basically saying, like, you know, just so you know, I'm still on track if it wasn't for that injury. Yeah. And Riders out. I got number 12 playing for Green Bay. I got you. I feel pretty good. I got you. I got you. But, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, we had wanted to see this for quite some time. You know, this is a team that we knew that should be scoring in the 30s. And obviously, last night, even with the last night victory, there's still some concerns. They were still 3-7 and seven in the red zone. They're 31% in the red zone this year. That has to pick up. They still don't run the ball consistently enough for me. When you get a lead like this, you should be able to close the game out with the runner and with this offensive line. Look, this team is built for one reason, for one reason only. Not on the offensive side of it, but on the defensive side of it. To play against who? New England. Captain America. When they spread you out. Can we cover those guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have enough guys in the back end now okay. where they can get that done. So this, th- th- that's why they're set up. That, that's their whole mindset. Yeah. When they spread us out, can we cover them? Okay. Uh, let's cover Rams-Vikings, a couple mm-hmm. of 7-2 teams. Mm-hmm. I'm yes, supposed sir. to ask you. Go ahead. Ask me whatever you want. I'm supposed to ask you which of these quarterbacks is in former Rams teammates Jared Goff and Case Keenum now – counterparts on Sunday. I'm supposed to ask you which of these QBs is more likely to be exposed on Sunday. No, because I got to reject the premise. Like, I don't think these guys are flukes. Jamel tried to bench Case Keenum the moment Teddy Bridgewater was active, but um, that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, if one of them has to be exposed, which one is it? I just hate the connotation of exposed. It it would be Case Keenum. Okay. I think he's done a fabulous job. There's a reason that Case Keenum has bounced around and been a that's all I was a saying. Reliable That's all I was saying. It's, not by, it's not by accident. Okay? <laughs> and he's done a fabulous job. He has. And I hope he continues to play well. The Vikings are playing well. This stretch of games will tell a lot about him. Plays the Rams at home, and then he goes three on, three on the road with, I think, the Lions, Atlanta, 
and, and um, there's one more other team that he has to play. They're all on the road, really good football teams. This is a test for both teams, a test for the Rams in this sense. The Rams' record, everyone is questioning them, going, are they really, is that the Rams? I know what it is, it's a quarterback. Because last year, everybody thought, he's a bust. Well, not so much, not a bust. He's playing well, and he's got a lot of parts around him that help him. Don't lose sight. This Todd Gurley is is in the MVP conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, Woods and Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup and Higby, they've got a good defense. So this is going to be a very, very competitive game. Yeah, Jamal likes it better than Cowboys-Eagles. Come on. Tell tell her they ain't a better. Well, come on, fly. Come on, fly. Come on, fly. Well, look, there's history with the Cowboys. But I'm just saying there's there's emotional history with the fans. That's the wrap it up music. For our whole friendship, you've ne- I, I'm not him. I don't know. you got to ask him that. But I can't help but wonder what you believe your old man would say about this. I, I just imagine that he would be thinking about what's next. Like, he'd be telling me uh, the next, you know, the next step to take. Who, who knows? You know, it's just hard to say where, where we would be today if he was still here. I know he'd be proud. I know he'd be happy with what I did and who I am. I think he'd love Amy. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. And he'd be crazy about this this idea that I'm going to be a father. I don't know if he, he, that'd probably blow his mind. Marty Marl, man, you need to apply for residency on South Beach because that's where you join us live from right now. now. <laughs> he might as well. Uh, now, you've known Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the better part of more than 20 years. What was your takeaway from your conversation with him today? Good evening, guys. We're taking you guys on a little little trip down Ocean Drive here <laughs> in South Beach. Right we thought now. we'd show you the beautiful neon jungle. This dude just can't do it normal. Where all the beautiful rich people are hanging out. <laughs> It's fantastic. Yes, I'm in the back of a pickup truck. God bless America. Specifically about Dale Jr., guys. You're right, Jamel. I have known him pretty well for two decades. Uh, He's a buddy of mine. And the thing that has stood out the most throughout this last couple of months and specifically today is the humility that accompanies the acknowledgement of one's impact. What's what's up, South Beach? I see (laughs) y'all. And Junior's impact is so dramatic to NASCAR and get drawing that information from him about what he believes that impact to be is fascinating. Look, he took the sport to places it never could have dreamed of going. He introduced it to people who became fans that otherwise never would have been fans. And above all, after his father died in 2001, he put an entire industry on his shoulders and he carried them through the darkness. Every one of us involved in stock car racing in that moment looked to one man for uh, direction about whether or not the sport should continue. And he got in a race car and he went. And the evolution of him as a man from a young, wild heathen drinking beers to this extremely mature person and man and driver who is and the ultimate ambassador for the industry is fascinating, and I can't wait for you guys to see 
that entire conversation I, we had this I, morning. I, I, hopefully this is good. As, this may be the greatest live shot. I know. In the Marty, you, you're going to lead us to freedom one day. I, yeah, I, I, is... I really believe that. Uh, okay, but look, while, while we got you. <laughs> Follow me to freedom, Jamel Hill. <laughs> well, look, while we got you, uh, there was another significant farewell in auto racing. Uh, here's Danica Patrick from earlier. Thank you to my mom and dad, my sister, Chase, Ricky. Um, thank you for everything. Haley, Allison, Ronnie. So, I feel like I need to, like, turn my chair, clear this up, and turn back around and tell you what I want to tell you that I'm really excited about. So, okay. Okay. But I'm not totally done. I am going to do the Daytona 500 next year and the Indy 500. So I'm really excited about that. I, I think it's going to be a great way to cap it off. All right, Marty, how would you put into perspective Danica Patrick's auto racing career? Pioneer uh, in every way. Uh, she, she's someone who empowered countless girls to do what they believe in to not be deterred from that about which they are passionate. And you saw that emotion there from Danica. That was striking to all of us because she is an extremely fiery personality. She doesn't take anybody's crap. And to see how moved she was that it's time to hang it up was truly striking for all of us. Uh, But her ultimate legacy to me is pioneer uh, in a major American sport. Not just in stock cars, but also in open wheel cars. And it's so fitting that her last race ever will be the Indianapolis 500 where she broke so much ground. All right, Marty Smith from South Beach. Uh, well said and well done. And if you ever do another live shot stationary again, we will be disappointed. Definitely. <laughs> Never, ever. Don't believe in it. All right, so check it. Ben uh, Simmons makes about $6 million a year. Uh, he told Maverick Carter. Maverick doing a lot of interviews. He does uh, on his podcast that the purchase he regrets the most. He bought two Savannah Cats for ten G's. Is that ten, right? Ten thousand dollars. Must have been nice cats. Is he? Is he? Under- did, did he raise those cats? Is that, are those the cats? <laughs> Wait, he didn't even have the cats anymore. Hmm. Did hey, you not understand you could just walk cat. outside and just Sixers get one? Warriors tomorrow. Oh, Jasmine oh, going to be in nosebleed. Watch go. when they beat the Warriors. How lit it is. Uh, Dee Dee Westbrook who I've stashed in my fantasy roster for weeks now, will make his NFL debut Sunday against the Browns after getting injured in the preseason. He said he expects 200 receiving yards against Cleveland. I need this from you. I'm not starting you, but I need you down the road. Also, you got Browns players hurt by the Jaguars, former uh, Brown. Their safety now is Deshaun Gibson saying the Jags will hang 40 on the Browns. The Browns are annoyed that somebody called them trash. Anyway, if they do, without Leonard Fournette possibly, mispractice today listed as questionable. I'm going to call it. What? Browns win? Jags don't take this L. Yeah? They're going to take the sale. Watch. Like, you can't do that. Like, it's, it's fun to did clown I the Browns. Did I Cleveland? All right, cool. Yeah, you did. All right. It's fun to clown the Browns, but still. That won't be the worst prediction of the week. You know I had that already. Uh, look, a video surfaced today of Jerry Jones making a racially charged comment four years ago uh, after the Cowboys owner bumped into a white fan who was about to get married and asked Jones for a congratulatory message to his fiance. Here's what he said. I'm Jennifer. Congratulations on the winning. Wedding. Now, you know he's with a black girl tonight, don't you? Get us, <laughs> Right here, Jerry. 
Uh, that video was courtesy of The Blast. Uh, Jerry issued a statement today saying that comment was inappropriate. It's not who I am, and I'm sorry. Also, <laughs> former Cowboy Deion Sanders, he also came to his defense saying he wasn't a racist. It's not who I am. Yeah, it is. Liquor just makes you more who you already are. It's a true sermon. Right. That's not even what this is about for me, though. Hmm. What it's about is this coming out now. Like, there's so many timing, leaks. Right? You know, there's so many leaks and sources and anonymous shots being taken. Like, this from 2013 has happened to come out when Jerry is embroiled in an argument or debate with Roger Goodell and the rest of the owners? Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Bengals linebacker Vontez Burfick, who was ejected last Sunday for making contact with an official that won't be fined, confirmed reports that officials do try to get him to react by verbally disrespecting him. I wonder what he meant by that when he said verbally disrespecting. Like, I, I need a little more detail. That's not to say, I'm not trying to say he's lying, but that's... I think I read what he said that they cursed at him. I think okay, I read that. all right, because that's... Which I just it, need specifics. I need you to get their badge number, their name, rank, and serial number. That like, was where I was going to take yeah. that, is that he needs to report them to the league if that's indeed the case, because, uh, look, you can't have a, a professional officials behaving yeah. that way. But if you know that, you also can't succumb to it. Yeah. You can put yourself in, at risk of being ejected. All right, Russell Wilson was on a liquid diet this week after doctors had to reset his almost broken jaw following the hit he took against the Cardinals in Week 10. This is very attractive, Karen. I'm about to go for a nice dip in the water. <laughs> now you're making fun of me. I'm like a shark in water. <laughs> Michael Phelps is a shark. I don't know about you. What am I then? A flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a fast platypus. <laughs> Good to see him doing well. Yeah. Broken jaw, but no concussion, huh? All righty then. You ever taken a hard one to the to the jewels? Yes, absolutely. I have. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm starting a movement. I need you two to join me. Hashtag justice for jewels. Justice for jewels. I like that. Seriously. Recreating the fight scene from the end of the movie Anchorman. Dare I say it was a work of genius. Mike and Mike and his and hers. Heard you had to bring in a female. Rub Vaseline on your hiney. <laughs> he said hiney. Jamel, get back over here. You taught it to I me. Did. You told me to use it. Did I use it correctly? Was that not an appropriate mention of it? I, I thought that's what you told no, me to say. Leave it to me. Leave it to me. Final words from our families to yours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mike and Mike signing off. All right, it was wow. a bittersweet day for a lot of Mike and Mike fans. We'll see those guys around here on campus. Uh, but I just want to say congratulations. Thank you for 18 years. That's an unbelievable run in our industry, and you guys deserve all the best that's coming to you. You set the table for us every morning. A couple of leadoff hitters like Pete Rose and Ricky Henderson. You set a standard around these parts. Uh, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your contributions to the company. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for your time and those skits. They wouldn't have been what they were without you, man. Yeah. So congratulations also to Wingo and uh, Goldick, who start a week from Monday. All right, that's, that's it for the six. <laughs> See? NBA Countdown is next. <laughs>